0: Say the word prepared. Say the word prepared. Say the word useful. This month at Journey, we are talking all about how to prepare our lives to be useful spiritually. We're in the midst of a series called Soul Detox. If you weren't here last week, a lot of people still traveling because school hadn't started everywhere. And last week, we talked about inner detox. We said, what are some things this year that we need to do differently so that our lives can be better prepared to be more useful for our God. Uh, I introduced you to the theme verse of this series last week. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn there, 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, our ushers are going to go down the aisle, and they're going to offer you a Bible. If you need one, if you forgot one, if you want one, uh, just raise your hand, wave at the other ushers, they'll give you one. If you don't have a Bible, this one is yours to keep. We've given away more than 300 since we started our church a little over 15 months ago, and we would be glad for this to be yours. So um, if you grab one today and you don't really know where yours is at home, just put your name in this and, uh, and keep it. It's yours. It's our gift to you. Um, if, uh, if you just forgot yours, then use this and throw it on the table when you leave, and, uh, and we'll give it to someone else next week. But feel free to read in it, to mark in it, to learn from it, because we love to open up God's Word. We love to learn from God's Word. And today we're in a letter that a man named Paul, who was an older pastor, he was in jail for church planning. He was really in jail because of the success of his ministry. Had been converting so many people away from the worship of the Roman emperor. He had a young apprentice. His name was Timothy. One of the last letters that Paul wrote before he died in prison to what he called his son in the faith, his young student. He wrote a letter to Timothy and said, Timothy, man, here's how you got to do life. We're probably not going to be around each other much longer, if ever. So here's some last notes for you. And in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21... We see two verses that stand out to us as to how to be prepared to be useful in our lives for God. And my goal for you this year, my goal for me this year, I believe God's goal for us every year is to prepare our lives to be more useful this year than we were last year in living for God and loving for God and knowing God um, and, in, uh, and in serving God. So here's what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21 says. In a large house... There are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be made instruments for special purposes. They'll be made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. I'm going to read those two verses again, underline them this time if you didn't underline them last time. And I'm going to have you circle a few words this time. In a large house. There are articles not only of gold and silver. Circle those words gold and silver and somewhere in your margin, right? That's the good stuff. Paul's saying, listen man, in your life there's some good stuff. In everyone's life, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter if this is the first time you've ever walked into church, no matter whether or not you are a Christian, you're not a Christian, whether you believe in God, whether you would call yourself an atheist, there is some good stuff in your life. The people who don't know about our church, who haven't been to our church, who don't know Jesus yet, I believe in every person who's ever been born. There's some good stuff that exists in their life. Paul told Timothy, there's some good stuff in your life. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of of wood and clay. Circle the words wood and clay. And just right out to the side, garbage. There is also some stuff in our life that is garbage. And some of us today, most of us all the time, every now and then need to take out the garbage like I do every Monday at my house. Paul said, Timothy, there's some good things in your life. Timothy, there's some garbage in your life. And here's what he said. If you can figure out, verse 21, how to cleanse yourself from the garbage, the latter is the garbage. You can figure out how to get rid of the garbage. You'll be, made, you'll be an instrument for special purposes. You'll be made holy. You'll be useful to the master. And you'll be prepared to do any. Good work. Say the word prepared. Say the word useful. We're trying to figure out at our church this month how to prepare our lives to be useful for God. Why? Because it's the mission of our church. The mission statement of our church, if you've been around at any time at all, you've heard me say this. Our church exists to see people who are far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. We want to see people go from where they are spiritually from where they need to be spiritually. We want to see you go from where you are spiritually to your next step spiritually. That's why we've got a tent that says next steps. We don't expect everyone to go from zero to a hundred, but we would like you to go from zero to one and one to two and to take the next step. And, And as we look at our church this year, we said, you know what? We need some soul detox. We need to get healthy as people this year spiritually so that we can begin to take our next steps so that we can become more passionate spiritually, and so that we can live our lives to make a difference in the world. Last week, we, we had a message that, uh, that we titled, Inner Detox. And we talked all about the things that we put in our life, because Jesus said, really, what's inside your life shapes you. And we, talk, we gave a Bible reading challenge last week. Uh, and we handed out these little cards, our Soul Detox Bible Challenge. We, we, um, we, we said, here's three challenges we'd like you to take. On the back, we said, here's your Bible Challenge cheat sheet. Here's the study Bible I would recommend this year. Here's the translation I'd recommend this year. Here's where you can go to find 100 Bible reading plans. If you did not get this, I'm sure it's somewhere in our church. Usher, someone let me know where this is. By the end of the service, you can grab one if you weren't here last week. But we had a lot of people last week, like maybe more than 100 they said I'm gonna read, I'm gonna try to read my Bible more this week or this year than last year. And I talked to one of our men this morning during set up and Terry. He said, "Christian, I read I'm seven for seven so far this year. I read my Bible every day last week." And he said, "Man, there is some jacked up stuff in the Bible." And I was like, "I know." He's like, "What is up with Lot's daughters, man?" And if you haven't read it, you got to go read it. But they did stuff that's like illegal and immoral and it's it's jacked up. There's some jacked up stuff in the Bible. But he's committed to read his Bible. Now, some of you last Sunday committed to read your Bible, and you didn't read it You didn't read it even one day last week. And I would say this, it's January 13, 1-13-13. That's the date today. Don't give up on your challenge just because you had one bad week. Tell people, Christianity is much more like baseball than football. You don't only have 16 chances. Christianity is an everyday sport. One great week won't make your year. One bad week won't break your year. You just got to, every day, you got to go to work spiritually. So if you set a goal last year, you didn't meet that goal last, year, or last week, then, then start this week. But we talked about how to change from the inside out. This week, we're, we're talking about outer detox. Not the things that we need to put in, but the things that we need to get out. And I want to share with you one of my favorite um, narratives in the Bible. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 23. That's in the Old Testament. If you're new and we just handed you a Bible for the very first time, start at the beginning. Um, because you're going to be much closer to the beginning than even the middle or the end. You'll flip back past a book called Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus, then Numbers, then Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 23, Moses is talking to the people through the words of God, and he's basically telling them this. You want to be closer to God? You want God to be around your life more? You want more of God's presence in your life? You want more of God's blessing in your life? He's basically teaching them how to live with God. God had come down on a mountain. He had spoken to all of them. They went to Moses and said, that freaks us out. We'd rather not communicate with God anymore directly because that's pretty scary. So, like, can you just can you be our mediator? And God said, okay, um, but God said, I'm going to teach you how to have my presence in your life. I'm going to teach you how to live with my security. I'm going to teach you how to live with my blessing. So in Deuteronomy, we read a, a bunch of things where God says, if you want me intimately involved in your daily life, do these things. Right down to the nitty-gritty of Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 12 through 15. And here's what God says. When, he, when he's saying, I want to be a part of your everyday life, He told the Israelites, here's how micromanaging I will be in that. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 12 through 15. God says, designate a place outside the camp where you can go relieve yourself. Now, God cares where we use the bathroom, according to Deuteronomy 23. He said, what do you mean relieve yourself? I mean, take a dump. That's what he is saying there. (laughs) It's the Bible. It's not me. Designate a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. As a part of your equipment, have something to dig with. And when you relieve yourself, this is how I know. He says, how do you know he's not talking about peeing? Because you don't bury pee, usually, unless you've got an issue. Verse 13, as a part of your equipment, have something to dig with. And when you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover up your excrement. Why? What a weird piece of Bible reading. Verse 14, For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you and to deliver your enemies to you. Your camp must be holy so that he will not see among you anything indecent and turn away from you. God said, You want me near you? You want my presence in your life? You want my blessings around your life? You're going to do it my way. Let me give you an illustration of this. At Thanksgiving, We were at my mom and dad's house, and when we travel to my mom and dad's, I have two kids, really kind of two and a half kids, because I I have a dog that we treat like a kid. Some of you have a pet who's like a child to you. His name is Rudy. I think they've got a picture, and that's a a poorly pixelated picture of Rudy. He's a little lap dog. My friend Robbie calls him a hamster because he's smaller than his dog, and he has a little thing on his cage he can drink from like a hamster. But that's our dog. We love our dog dearly. So we take him everywhere with us that we can. So he, we're at my mom and dad's house at Thanksgiving. Mom and dad have a fence. We don't have a fence. When we put Rudy out at our house, he's on a leash. When he goes to mom and dad's, he gets to run around in the backyard freely and just have a blast. So he, he's at mom and dad's. He's running around the backyard. He comes to the door. Um, he comes inside, and, and the house just reeks. And it's like, what? What is the problem? So, you know, I ask my kids and uh, my nephews and nieces who are there, hey, did, some, did someone step in dog poop? And everyone's checking their shoes, no. And I said, man, it just smells like dog poop in the house. And I look, and for some unknown reason that only a dog could answer, Rudy must have found a pile of his excrement um, and, and literally rolled around it. Like, do you have a dog that every now and then does the back rub on the carpet? Like, he does this? Rudy was covered from head to toe in, in poop, and it was Disgusting. And and you know, they were they were like, you know, Christian, you're gonna have to watch the dog. And I was watching, I think at the time I was watching the Michigan Ohio State football game, which is very near and dear to my heart. And I said, I'm not watching the dog, put him out. And it started raining. They said, Christian, Rudy's outside, and I said, I don't care, put him out. And I looked at Rudy standing in the rain outside the door, covered in poop with his tail um wagging, and I thought, you know what, dude, you're not allowed in because you're covered in poop. Now, let me make the spiritual analogy to Deuteronomy 23. And may I be straightforward with you this morning? Yes or no? Here's what God is saying to some of you You can't get some of the blessings in your life that you're seeking, and some of my presence in your life that you're seeking, until you get the crap out of your life. That's Deuteronomy 23. God said, I want to be near you, and I want to be next to you, and I want to hang out with you, and I want to walk around with you, but I am not going to deal with your crap because I'm a holy God. Now, I don't like that word crap, and I won't let my kids say crap, but if I said you've got to get rid of your poop, that, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hit. So I don't like the word, but I like the lesson. There's some stuff that some of us in here, if we want all of God's blessing in our life, that we've got to get rid of. You know it, and I know it, and God knows it, God said, I'd love to be a part of everything in your life. But some of you, you need to get rid of your stuff. And you need to bury it. Because I ain't going to go there with you. You can just sit outside the door of my blessing. And you can wag your tail. But until you get rid of the the crap in your life, you and I are not going to be as close as we need to be. So when I talk about outer detox, I'm talking about things in your life as you need to get rid of. Probably we could stop and pray right now. Because if if you've walked with God any amount of time, if you've set New Year's resolutions, New Year goals, you probably already know what yours is. We could pray right now and, and help you figure out, you know, whether or not you're going to be able to get this thing out of your life this year. But I want to walk you through Deuteronomy 23 and help you understand what God says so that we can understand how to have all of God's blessing in our life this year. Outer detox, how does it work? It works like this according to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Number one. God says, you've got to identify, and we'll call it the stuff, so you don't have to write that, that C-R-A-P word that you know some of you don't say. I try not to say. I don't let my son say. Um, you've got to identify the stuff in your life, the garbage, the poop, the feces, the fecal matter, the excrement. The, you, you get it, right? 23, the relief. Um, you've got to identify what it is in your life that you know God's not going to get around because our holy God doesn't coexist in relationship with some of these things. And, and when I talk about the stuff in your life, I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions like, you know, I got to go on a diet. Um, you know, I'm talking about what I would call sin and rebellion. All of us have annoying things in our life. I'm not talking about the annoying things in our life. I read yesterday in the Kansas City Star that the, the federal agency, maybe, maybe you all read this, um, they had to reprimand one of their workers because of his flatulence problem at work. Did you all did y'all read this in the Star? Um, this guy had more than 40 reprimands against him, nine in one day, that he, he had overly aggressive and abusive gas at work. I actually met, one, one of our young girls came up to me today and told me that they had given nicknames to every member of our family, and one of the dads sitting in here today, I won't give you his name because it might embarrass him, but his wife's name is Hope Reader. Um, she said, my dad's, my dad's nickname... Um, Hope, by the way, is Mrs. Stylish. uh, Miss Stylish. But she said, my dad is Captain Stinky Pants. Now, I don't think that this star article is about Captain Stinky Pants. But I'm not talking about like annoying things in your life. I'm talking about, here's what I'm talking about. What I would refer to as rebellion in some spiritual area. Disobedience in some spiritual area. Something that you know God is leading you to do. Something that God is leading you to not do. Something that... You always have a check in your spirit. Every time you do it, you think, ah, I shouldn't do that. But you've chosen not to deal with it. That's the thing I'm talking about. Some rebellion or disobedience in a spiritual area that for some reason you are just not dealing with. Now, James chapter 1 lists three areas of rebellion, of sin, of disobedience. And and I love this, and and I won't study all the way through James chapter 1. But James 1 talks about sins of what I would call sins of commission. That word commission means a sin you commit um, things you do. James says, don't say you're tempted by God because God doesn't tempt anyone. You, you know, when your evil desire is birth, then it leads to death, and it, you know then it leads to sin, and sin leads to death. James like, listen, you're responsible for the things you do that you are not supposed to do. So some of you, when I talk about outer detox, I'm talking about the things that you shouldn't be doing, that you are, that you need to stop. That's one area of sin. James 1 also talks about sins of omission, which means you omit to do something. James 1 said, if you know the good that you should do and you don't do it, that's sin. Paul said, I wasn't held accountable for the good things I didn't know about because I didn't know about them. But once I found out about them and I know I was supposed to do them and I didn't, then it became sin to me. Some of you know God has told you to begin doing something and you just don't want to do it. Get faithful to church. Start reading your Bible. And, you know, forgive someone. Reconcile a relationship. God God has spoken to your heart to do something. You're saying, nope. And you're not really committing sin, but you're omitting obedience. You're not doing something. And then James 1 said there's a sin of being double-minded. Don't think you should receive anything from the Lord, James says, if you're double-minded. You're unstable in all that you do. And this is someone who says, you know, I I really want to follow God in these two or three areas, but I don't want to follow God in these two or three areas. This is someone that every time they hear a spiritual challenge offered, instead of trying to leap to the spiritual challenge, they look back in skepticism and say, why do I have to meet that spiritual challenge? Some of you, you're just hard-headed spiritually. And the thing you need to change, it. you don't need to stop doing anything. You don't need to start doing anything. You just need to change your attitude and quit being kind of a spiritual butthead. That's what double-minded is. That I just, you know, every time I hear anything that the Bible says, I respond with why and a bad attitude instead of why with a good attitude. You know, the Bible says that God created a Christian life that, was, that not only saves us from our sin, forgives us for everything we've done, gives us eternal life, but brings us, brings us great life here. So when I talk about sin, I'm not talking about things. It used to be presented to me this way. If you do these things, you can't go to heaven. I thought, well, I want to go to heaven, so I won't do that. That's not the case. The Bible says if you give your heart and your life to Christ, and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you repent, and you try to change, and you work forward, that God will save you for an eternity. And, you know, I love that, that Christians, they, you know, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. I've, I've heard that repeated over and over and over again since I was a youth pastor. They're not perfect. They're just forgiven. But there are a lot of Christians who have zero of God in their life because they're living in sin. It's not about heaven or hell. It's about God's presence and his blessings with you and on you. And and it's as if if Satan can't separate you eternally from God, then he'll separate you as long as he can right now in in present time from God. You know, we had a couple in our church as we were going over the prayer cards that had their house broken into over Christmas break between Christmas and New Year's. And just as I say, it broke my heart because a prayer request said, you know, our kids are just, our kids are really scared. And you can imagine if you have young elementary school age kids, which they do and younger, and your house has been broken into, your your security is stolen. And what Satan tries to do to the Christian, because he can't steal your eternity, because he can't take your eternal life, he just wants to mess up this one. In John 10.10, it says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He just wants to separate you because he can't curse you. He just wants to separate you from God. In Numbers 22, we read a really interesting narrative. I'm not going to read through it, but I'll talk through it. Israel had traveled from Egypt. They were getting ready to go into Israel, and they were camped across the street from Israel, except it was across the river, the Jordan River, in a place called Moab. And Moab was a country that didn't like Israel, they were afraid of Israel. So the king said, someone hire a prophet to come and curse Israel so they'll all die. So the prophet came, his name was Balak, and he came, and, or Balaam, and, and he said, hey, can you curse these people? And Balaam said, let me check. So he asked God, God, can I curse these people? And God said, no, you can't curse these people. They're my people, you can't curse them. you gotta, you got to take your hands off of them. So he said, I can't curse them, i got to bless them. And to make a long story short, he said, well, if you can't curse them, is there anything else you can do to take care of them? he said, yeah, I can't curse them, but I can tempt them. And he said, I can't curse them for you, but here's a spiritual plan where they will destroy themselves. And if you do this, you don't have to worry about them. See, Satan would like to curse your life to an eternal hell, eternally separated from God. But if you've entrusted your heart to God, he can't do that. So the next best thing is, if I can't curse you, then I'll tempt you. And I'll put a scenario in your life where you choose to be separated from God because God has chosen to be close to you. And I, I, I can't tell you the number of Christians who feel separated from God, not because they're cursed, but because they refuse to say no to temptation. If you can't curse them, tempt them. That's one of the, the greatest spiritual lessons that we find in Scripture. So you've got to identify, what is the stuff in your life? I don't know what it is, but I, but I bet that you do. And you've got to figure out what that is. What is the stuff In your life. There are some people in our church. You drink too much. And when I say drink. I mean alcohol. You drink too much. And it's separating you from God. And it's separating you from godly influence. But a man in our church. Who became deeply convicted last week. Because someone at work told him. You're the only Christian I know. Who can turn water to vodka. And he told one of our men. When I heard that I was crushed. Because I realized that everyone just. They always see me with a drink in my hand. I had another Christian who told me one time that it, it was only when their friends told them, you know, you make better mixed drinks than the bartender. That I realized that. And I'm not talking about is it right or wrong to drink. I'm saying some of you go too far. There's some men and women in our church who are borderline alcoholics and you need to deal with it this year. Some of you, your language is terrible. And I'm not saying it's going to send you to hell, but I'm, I'm saying it sure doesn't make you sound like a Christian say, well, that's the way I talk when I play. So that was a big argument for me. When you play sports, you're like you know, anything goes on the field. So God does not step between the white lines is what you're saying. Some of you just, you gossip too much. Some of you are Facebook idiots. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do, are, are any of you like me ever within 10 minutes of just shutting down your Facebook and never ever getting back on it again because of Facebook? You know who I'm talking about. And some of it, it's you. You care more that people know your political views than they do that you're a Christian. And you don't ever stop to think how you're impacting anyone spiritually. Some of you are in your mouth too much. Some of you don't speak up and say enough. S- some men in here are, are really disrespectful to their wife and kids. And some women in here are really r- disrespectful to your husband. I mean, what you, what's the stuff in your life that God looks at you and says, man, I'd love to be closer to you, but you've got to deal with that. What are the things in your life you've got to deal with? You've got to identify that this year. Because if you read your Bible every day and you don't identify that, you're not going to grow much spiritually. Number two, Deuteronomy says after you identify it, after you identify your stuff, you've got to identify the tools to remove it, right? God said, listen, here's the problem. Every now and then you relieve yourself. I don't want to step in your stuff when I'm hanging out in your camp. So here's the thought. Everyone's going to have some equipment in their life. Everyone's going to be equipped with some stuff. So in your bag of stuff, you need to have some tools to get rid of the garbage that's going to keep me out of your life. We've got to identify the tools. 2 Timothy 2.21, to go back to our theme verse, is this. Those who cleanse themselves. Those who get rid of the, the junk in their life. What is it? They'll be made useful. They'll be prepared. We're trying to figure out how to be prepared to be useful this year. Some of us need to cleanse some areas in our life. So what does Deut- Deuteronomy twenty-three, thirteen say? As a part of your equipment, have something to dig with. Now, what are the tools of outer detox? What are the tools to get and to keep stuff out of your life? I want to give you four. And I want you to write these down, and I want you to think about these. First two are going to be simple. Next two are going to take a deep breath and some consideration. Number one, private confession. The first tool to, to getting your life right with God is recognizing something's wrong, something's there, it shouldn't be there, I need to deal with it. The first tool is a simple prayer saying, God, I'm sorry. And I hate to say that this tool for a seasoned Christian isn't very useful. Because if you're like me, you've got stuff in your life that you've done a thousand times, and a thousand times you've said sorry, and you go and do it again, and private confession just isn't doing it for you. You've tried to stop, and you say sorry, and you pray, and you apologize, but it hasn't, it hasn't covered up the garbage in your life that yet. Like, you do it, and it feels good, and God says to, and, you know, I'm all for praying to, to ask God to forgive every sin you ever commit. But if you can't stop, obviously you, you need more than private confession. The Bible would say, secondly, anyone who's real serious, private confession always leads to repentance. Repentance just means change. That's what that means. Repentance literally is a word that means 180 degrees. Um, You repent when you make a U-turn in your car. It's not a spiritual word, but spiritually, it just means that what you've been doing spiritually, you don't do anymore. So private confession is, God, I've got this thing in my life. Forgive me, I did it again. Repentance is, God... I want to not do this anymore. I want to become a different type of person. And you say, how exactly does that happen? The next two steps are difficult. But they begin to help us repent, change. They begin, they begin to help us cover up our junk so that God can be closer to us. What are they? Number three, public confession. Now, when I say public confession, I'm not talking about on a stage. I'm just talking about telling someone other than God. I go and I tell someone, man, I've got this issue that I have been struggling with. Because here's the deal, I believe most Christians exist within a realm of private confession and a heart of repentance all the time. I I know I need to do better than this. Man, one day I'm gonna change, but you never do, and you just kinda think that that's your curse in life, and you can't. But the Bible says, That the things you struggle with can be overcome if if you will add to it what the Bible calls public confession. Now, public confession is not easy. Public confession is not fun. And again, I'm not saying get on the stage and tell everyone. But going one-to-one to to tell someone will, um, it adds an element of strength to your life, even as difficult as it is, that allows you to follow through. Um, I, um, you know, one of the great things about being a church planner and Working at a place uh, that, uh, where you raise your own support and working at a startup place where you kind of have to work other odd jobs As you get to do a, a lot of odd jobs. And one of the odd jobs that I've done the last year every now and then is I've helped a friend uh, in our church who has a painting business. I help him paint. Um, and i tell you what, it's been really good for me as a pastor because to go work a 40-hour week, um, a Monday through Friday, you know, 8 to 5, 8 to 6 job, it gives me tremendous appreciation for all of you who live that schedule and then come and serve on Sunday or come faithfully on Sunday. I feel like I understand people better working a non-church job than I have. But one of the things I did early, because Robbie knew I was a bad painter and he knew I was gonna mess with everything, is they just let me like clean the bucket and you know, just do random stuff that's like, you know, just go out, just leave us alone and yeah, they repaint everything I painted. But I, I I learned how to how to clean brushes like I've never cleaned brushes before. And we we would take a, a bucket, you know, because you don't like buy a new brush every time. We'd fill it with water, and, man, you would just, like, beat the tar out of this brush. You'd do it, and then you'd wring it out, and you'd dump it out. And you would go until the brush was, was almost totally clean of the paint that you were using. But then every now and then, when you couldn't get all the paint out, you would take this wire brush, this metal brush, and I realized it, it was metal for the first time when it went over my hand because I wasn't being careful enough. And I was like, that hurts. Um, and you would take, is this going to hurt this brush if I do it dry? and you literally, you just rake, and I mean rake that paint out of there so that the brush gets totally clean. Folks, this is public confession. It's rough, and it hurts, but I want to tell you this. There were some brushes that if you didn't use this, you couldn't ever paint a new color because the old color was always there, and there are some Christians in our church who will never truly have a different life Because they can't ever get rid of their old life because they're not willing to do the stuff that hurts. And I'm telling you, it hurts. You know what? When I was in college, I looked at pornography a lot. Like lots of college guys do. But I was also married in college. And I'm telling you, if you're a married man or a woman, one of the things you need to get out of your life is pornography. And my wife caught me. And I thought she was going to leave me. I probably would have left me. And I just told her anything. Whatever you tell me, I don't want this in my life. This was one of the things where you say, Christian, how many times do you think you prayed to ask God to forgive you after looking at pornography? Here's the answer, every time. Christian, how many times after looking at pornography did you think, I don't want to look at pornography again? Here's how many times, every time. And how many times did it work? Very few times. And asked Danielle, what do you want me to do? And she said, Christian, you're going to have to tell someone. You have to tell someone what you did. You have to tell someone what you struggle with. And you're going to have to ask them to help you every week. And I said, that's going to be embarrassing. And that's going to be hard. And that's going to be like an iron brush scraping the ego of my spiritual life. But if I don't get that color of spiritual paint out of my life, I'll never be who God wants me to be. And I remember it like yesterday when I sat down with my mentor, Barry Rice, in a courtyard at Liberty University. And I said, Barry, man, I am struggling looking at pornography. And as much as I love God and as much as I love my wife, I can't stop. And I'm telling you, it was like God took an iron brush to my soul and just scraped it. And you know what happened? The paint came out. And every Thursday at Hardee's at 6 a.m. for more than a year, we would sit down, he'd look me in the eye and say, did you, look me at por- did you look at pornography this week? And he helped me get good software on my computer and good software on my phone. And every time we talk to this day, he'll say, are you alone? And I'll say, I can be. He'll say, are you looking at pornography? See, he's not afraid to use his iron brush on my back because I've given him permission because my goal is to be closer to God, not, not ashamed of my sin. If you have something that you've, for 20 years, you've been wondering what the problem is, you need to tell someone. And then step four is accountability. You need to ask them to hold you accountable. Would you, every time you're with me, ask me about this? You will not offend me. Please, I don't want to live my life like this anymore. See, you got to identify the stuff in your life, and then you have to identify the tools in your life that can bury it and can keep it buried Uh, you identify the tools in your life. Why? Number three, so you can bury it and so that you can keep it buried. Now you say, Christian, are these things necessary to go to heaven? No. Are these things necessary to know who Jesus is? No. Are these things necessary to have God as close to me in my life that he wants to be? Yes. This is a proximity question. This is how close do you want God to your life? How many of God's blessings do you want for your life? This, This is what this message is about. And if you say, I want more of God this year, or if you would go as far as to say, I want all of God this year, I want all of God's blessings in my life, Then you say, I identify the stuff, I identify the tools to remove it, and, and then I bury it. Deuteronomy 23, 13 says, dig a hole and cover up your excrement. You get rid of the crap in your life and watch me hang out with you all day, every day, God says, so I can be there to protect you and to serve you. That's cool. You know, when, um, and and y'all know this if you know me. You know, I grew up in southern Ohio and a redneck town, um, you know, and and just was an old country boy from Bainbridge, Ohio. And the first job that I worked, my kids like to hear about my old jobs because they don't even understand it growing up in Johnson County, Kansas and now being in Jackson County, Missouri. um, I worked at a, a lumber yard my freshman year in high school. It was my first real job. And every day I'd get up and I'd get on my bicycle and I would take my lunch in my bag and I'd ride my bike a mile and a half to go work at a lumberyard. There's some of you here who don't even know what a lumberyard is. It's basically where the materials that build your house come from and build this building. Uh, and I would from 8 to 5, I'd just, I would stack and rearrange and clean up lumber all day long. We'd get loads of lumber in the right quantity so that we could load them on a forklift, get them on a truck, and ship them out. And I mean, I worked at the, the Spartan company where they would bring the trees and we would start with the trees, and we'd cut them down to whatever size board was possibly needed. And one day, uh, my boss came in. I worked for a friend of mine's dad. Um, and he said, hey, Christian, uh, you're not going to work at the, at the mill today. Uh, we're going to send you and some guys out to a field. And I said, why? Um, and my kids loved this, but it was a real job. He said, I need about six teenagers for a month um, to just pick up rocks in a field. And I'm going to pay you to do it. And I said, you're going to pay me to pick up rocks. He said, yes, I'm going to pay you to pick up rocks. So for a month, we would drive out to this field. He bought about 10 acres of land. And when they disked it up to, to go ahead and sow it, they were going to do soybeans there. Um, it, it just was filled with large limestone pieces of rock. I mean, like the size of this monitor here. Not little rocks, big rocks. And for a month, a team of six of us, all we did section by section was pick up the rocks, carry them to the edge of the woods, and chuck them in the woods. And here's the lesson that I learned from that. You can't plant something different until what has previously been there has been removed. And some of you this year have made a commitment to read your Bible, and here, here's the note you need to understand. Nothing will take root and grow until you throw away the rocks first and you get them out of your life. See, Some of you may commit to read the Bible through this year, but if you don't, take part in outer detox like you're going to read your whole bible and in a year you're going to think well i didn't feel like i learned anything i don't feel like i'm closer to jesus and the problem is you never cleared the field first so that the seed that was sown could grow well man and i and and i'll tell you who gives us a tremendous lesson of outer detox as we look at our future i'm sure everyone in here has heard of an american cyclist by the name of lance armstrong he won seven Tour de France titles, which is the preeminent bike race in the world. Um, he's raised over $100 million for cancer research. He's a cancer survivor. He was a hero for a long time in America. And it came out, you know, after a lifetime of accusation that he had cheated, it finally came out, all his teammates turned on him that he did. He, he was like the biggest cheater that ever lived. And they, sh- and they stripped him of everything in his past. And they stripped him of everything in his future. They said, anything you've ever won, anything you've ever competed in, it's gone forever. We're going to act like you didn't exist. And we will never let you compete again ever until you die. And we're going to make sure no one gives money to your cancer research. We have destroyed your past, your present, and your future. You're done. So tomorrow night, Lance Armstrong has decided to sit down with Oprah and to finally admit publicly And I promise you, like, it'll be a metal brush admission. It's going to hurt, painful, shameful, humiliating. He's going to admit to Oprah to air later this week that he cheated his entire career and how he did it and why he did it. And I've been reading, because when Lance won his first title, like, I read his book, and I followed him because of the, the sportsman that he was. So I've been following this deal, and here is what he has said. His people have said he knows he can't regain his past, but he he just wants his future. And here's the phrase they're using. He's looking for some kind of path to redemption so that his past doesn't kill his future. There are some of you here today, this outer detox, if you don't deal with your past in a moment of time where you say, this is who I am, this is what I struggle with. This is what I need to stop doing. Some of you will never be able to lay claim to your future until you deal with your past. And they've told Lance, if you admit what's going on, maybe we'll let you race again. And as people said more than anything, he did not care about his past. He, just, he, wants to, he wants to be able to compete. He would not be allowed to run in the Kansas City Marathon. Any event that's officially sanctioned, he's not allowed to be in because he's a cheater. So he said, you know what? I'm going to deal with my past so that I can live my future. I doubt there's a spiritual reason to do that. But you and I pursuing God, some of us need to deal with our past at a moment in time in the present so that our future can be different. It's funny, the apostle Paul used the illustration of a race to talk about his spiritual life. And here's what he said. He said, I I want to run my race. He said, I would hate to get to the end of my life and figure out after running my race that I was disqualified. And I would hate for anyone in here to think that maybe there are some things in your life that, that need to be out, that you've got in, and you decide to keep them in your entire life only to one day figure out they've disqualified you from every blessing of God. You know, we said this year our church is growing, and it is. We're going to start two services, and our nursery and children's ministry are just busting out the seams. Organizations growing, we got leadership teams, we got new people volunteering, and we're gonna need more people to volunteer. I mean, things are going awesome. But we said this if our church grows, and our organization grows, and we buy a land, and we buy a building, and we move forward as a church, but our people don't move forward as Christians, we have failed. Our mission isn't to grow, our mission isn't to build, our mission is to see people go from where they are spiritually to where they need to be spiritually. And if as a church we explode but you don't move forward spiritually, we failed. So today, man on a cold January Sunday, one 13 13 is the date today. Today, your next step, maybe your first step, maybe the step that allows you to finally quit living in the consequences of your past and present and living for your future is outer detox. Figure out the garbage In your life, figure out how to get rid of it, bury it, and be done with it so that your future is forever changed. Don't be little Rudy sitting outside in the rain, covered in poop, not allowed to come inside all God's blessings for you because you're you're too dumb to stay away from the garbage in your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name right now. And Lord, we're filled with gratitude for how you love us and how you've saved us and how you've changed so many of us and how you've directed us. We have tremendous peace knowing that you're in our life, that you're real, that you care about us, that you love us. But Lord, certainly there has been a spot of challenge issued from your word today in Deuteronomy chapter 23 that gets right into the nitty gritty of our everyday life and says you need to be done with this. Like if you want me to hang out with, at your house, you got to be done with this. If you want me to go to work with you, you got to be done with this. If you want all my blessings on you and your marriage and your family and your kids, you got to be done with this. And God, I pray that you will speak to men and women and teenagers and children in this room right now on 113-13, and you will show them what in their life they need to dig a hole, throw it in, and cover it up. God, maybe it's some kind of sin of commission, something they're doing that they need to stop. Maybe it's a sin of omission, something you clearly have told their heart to do that they're not doing, so it's something they need to start doing. Maybe it's the sin of a double mind that they live with a skeptical, questioning heart to your spirit, instead of trying to embrace and learn from you, they're trying to keep you at an arm's length. Show us what our need is to move forward and help every member of our church, every member that gets on and watches on the internet and God help us all to take one more step forward by dealing with this outer detox issue in our life. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed today, Please, nobody looking around. It's none of your business. really none of my business. But pastorally, as a shepherd, I'm trying to figure out if God is moving in the lives of our people. I wonder how many people here with a head bowed and an eye closed will say, Christian, there is something in my life that needs to go this year if I'm going to get closer to God. And, it, and if you know that, and man, maybe you'd be willing to work on it this year. Would you just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you? That's my only reason in asking you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Just keep it up for just a minute. I just, won't scan the crowd so I can pray for you. You can put them down. God, I pray for all these hands raised because scripture is so clear that in our life, there's some good things and some bad things and sometimes we have to remove the bad to take our next step closer to you so that every hand that was just raised and every hand that wasn't raised, but every heart that's thinking, yeah, there's something there in my life. God, speak to us. Help us if private confession and a repentant heart haven't worked. God, help us to pull out that iron brush of public confession and to tell someone near us or struggling with that we need help with to get some accountability. And God, may our lives be forever changed. May our life be able to paint a new color because the old one is totally gone because we've gotten rid of something. Help us not to put all kinds of new stuff in that never takes root because we didn't clear away the bad soil first. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, the first step you can take spiritually is to give your heart and your life to Jesus. If you're in this room and you've never done that, if you're in this room and you don't know that if you died today, tomorrow you would spend eternity in heaven, if you're in this room and you haven't made your peace with God ever, but you desire to do that, you came to church today because like you need God to do a miracle in your life, then I want to lead you in a prayer that will introduce you, and the Bible says, unite you to the Spirit of God from now throughout the rest of eternity. A prayer that if it's meant from your heart, Will forgive you of everything in your past, it'll change your present, and it'll radically transform your future. If you're in here today and you need God, you need Jesus, you've never become a Christian, but today you want to, then just pray this prayer in your heart. I'll pray it first, then you can just repeat it. You don't have to say it out loud, just repeat it in your heart. And just pray this Dear God, today I need you in my life, and I want you in my life. Today I admit God. That I cannot do it alone, but I need your help. So I ask that you would forgive me of my past. Cleanse the old me from the inside out. Change who I am. Transform my future. Give me eternal life. Today I put my faith in Jesus as not just the Savior of the world, but the personal savior of my life and I commit to learn about him, try to follow him try to become like him today I give my heart to you Lord, change me with every head bowed and every eye closed please no one looking around, if you just prayed that prayer would you just raise your hand so that I could know it, Christian, I just prayed that prayer with you yes, anybody else Christian, I just prayed that prayer with you and I want you to know God thanks for what you're doing in our church this month Help us focus on people and help them focus focus people on themselves. And God, I pray that regardless of what happens with our January, regardless of what happens as we start two services, Lord, none of that matters if people aren't drawn closer to you. Help us learn through this soul detox series. inner detox, outer detox, relational detox, missional detox. Help us learn how to prepare our life to live with tremendous impact and influence for you. Help us to be useful for what you've created our life to be. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name this morning. And everyone said...